Hey there, Real Life family. And thanks so much for joining us on the Real Life Podcast, where we are in the final week of our Experiencing God series. This series has been so powerful as we are looking to experience God in a new way, in a way that He is working. Let's listen to what God has to say in this final installment of our series. Let's jump in. to hear his voice. We want to be led by him. We want to be a part of what he is doing. So much of ourselves is in the way of, of us experiencing God, meaning my agenda, my priorities, the way I think my life needs to go. Meanwhile, God is at work all around us, and he's so passionate about you and I being involved in experiencing what it's like to be used by God, shaped by God for his purposes, that people would be loved and served and blessed through you. And we don't want to be a people that just talk religious things and don't actually experience God at work in our lives. Amen. We, we want to know God's leading. It's prompting. We want to experience him in our lives. That's what these last seven weeks have been about. You can get on our YouTube and catch up if you're there. Um, but I would, I would love um, to finish this out today with just a simple conversation about how we experience God. It really breaks down to this, that we experience God through obedience. Talk to you about obedience today. Look at, um, would you grab your Bible or your Bible app and turn to the book of 1 John? Not the gospel of John, but way, way back at the back of your Bible. 1 John chapter 2 is where we're going to be today. Uh, I love to preach out of this, but let me pray as we get going today. Lord, you know everyone that's in this room. You know their story. You know their pains. You know their fears. You know their questions. God, and I just ask you to be powerful, be present, be loving, be gracious, be who you are. You're so good. You're so kind, God. Oh, and you, you have so much in mind and store for every one of us, God. And so we just open our hearts to you right now, God. We, we um, lay down our, our agendas. We lay down our demands, God, our expectations. And we just say, God, meet us here. Speak, direct, lead. These lives, these hearts, these souls are yours, God. We want to be changed by you, moved by you, shaped by you for your purposes, God. We love you with all our hearts. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen. Uh, some of you know this story. When um, my wife and I came here to plant this church, um, I think 12 years ago in June now, we moved here to Spokane. And um, the, the way that we got here, though, was an adventure. And I would say it like this because obedience to God was a massive part of this step for us. I was on staff at Real Life over in Idaho and uh, content, very happy to be a part of that team and a part of that church. In fact, I was blessed, massively blessed that God would allow me to be a part of that staff. And I had ran from God for a while and did not ever want to be in ministry again. And God got a hold of my heart and kind of taught me so much through that time there. Well, the leadership team there came to us and said, hey, Richie, um, we believe that God is calling us to plant a church in Spokane. We got a lot of people from Spokane driving to Coeur d'Alene and Idaho and all this, and uh, we need to plant a church in Spokane. And the elder team said, we believe it's you that God is calling to plant. I was like, I 
think you're talking. I never, I, I, I hated church planting. Honestly, I'd watch church planting go horribly wrong. Um, usually they're rebellious, arrogant jerks that think they know better than everybody else. And I'm like, that's the guy I don't want to be. I just, I just want to be humble, servant. God, I don't, and, and, and they just said, would you pray about it? I'm like, yeah, I'll pray about it. Cause that's what you're supposed to say. Right. And, uh, and, I remember the next morning um, in my time with the Lord, just having my Bible, my journal open. And I just, I remember this kind of sense of like, Lord, am I even allowed to pray about this? Because I had been spending the last three, four years just going, God, I want to be faithful to what you've called me to. These are the people that you've called me to pastor. This is the, the role you've given me. God, I just want to plant my heart, my roots. These are the, this is what you've called me to do. And I'm going to do it with all my heart. And so my first question was, Holy Spirit, like, am I even allowed to pray about planting a church in Spokane? And he said, yes, I want you to pray about it. It's like, well, I'm here praying about it right now. So do you want me to plant a church in Spokane? He said, yes. And I remember this just sense of peace washing over me that this is what God wanted me to do. But, but then there's this kind of challenge for me. I hadn't really led spiritually in my home very much at all. Like to have big spiritual God's leading conversation. I'd been a pastor in ministry for several years at this point. I had, I had had all this experience of Bible and teaching and blah, blah, blah. But, but like my wife and I being unified on spiritual things, praying together, walking together in obedience to God's leading was terrifying to me. I didn't know how to do that. And so I remember I, I kind of that, that later that day, I mentioned it to her. Hey, hey, babe, what do you think about planting a church in Spokane? She's like, what do you mean? What do I think about? No, I wouldn't. Why would we ever, you know, it was just like, it, it wasn't a negative conversation, but she was like, what do you, where is this coming from? What, well, Jim and those guys, they talk to me and I'm like, uh, you know, and I'm hesitating. I'm uncertain. It's not going good. So I just sat on it and I sat on it, not for like three hours or three days or three weeks for three months. And I remember this pressure growing inside me going, ah, I've, I know that God's called me to plant a church in Spokane, but I don't know how to talk to my wife. I don't know what this all looks like. And what if this doesn't go right? And what if those people, and how do you do it from scratch? And how do you, you know, what all these questions and concerns about starting a church. And, and, and it got to the point, though, where the Holy Spirit was just like, bro, you are disobeying me. And it wasn't just like, oh, I'm processing it. No, you're disobeying what I told you to do. So I remember that afternoon, I came to my wife. I was like, babe, I got to talk to you about this church planting thing in Spokane. She's like, oh, yeah? What, like, what are we talking about? And I said, well, I know that God has called me to plant, called us to plant a church in Spokane. She, she goes, he has? He's spoken that to you? And I said, yeah. He told me, Jesus told me that like three months ago. She's like, well, where's this conversation been? Last three months, I'm like, I don't know. I just didn't know what to do. I know that he told us to do it, but I said this, but I'm not going anywhere without you, babe. And I remember just this, just this amazing just thing just happened in that moment. She's like, well, if that's what God said, then that's what we need to do. I'm like, what? You are amazing. <laughs> like, how do you have that level of resolve and faith and commitment? And she's like, but know this, you have no idea what you're doing and neither do I. And so whatever God does in Spokane is going to be a miracle, she said. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you're right. We can be on the same page on this. Like, we have no idea how this is all going to go. But it's, it's, it's crazy how our hesitations about what we don't know and don't understand might actually lead us to a place of disobedience. 
The very thing that we long for is to experience God, know his voice, hear his promptings, experience his power working through us. And because of our questions, our uncertainties, the unclear things about the future we are trying to calculate, we're trying to make sense of, we're trying to figure out, we've created this list of expectations, which eventually becomes resistance and flat out disobedience to God in our lives. We want to experience God. But to experience God requires obedience. And it's simple obedience. It's not maybe extravagant stuff, but man, just having a heart that says, God, what you speak, what you call me to, what you want to do in my life, I am ready. I am willing. I am wanting God to obey. Hesitation. Questions. Processing. We have all these code words for disobedience. That's really what it is, right? We, we have all these code words for just kind of doing what we want to do when we want to do it. This conversation today is going, okay, God, move us beyond that. We want to know and experience your prompting, your leading. See, at the core of this conversation of experiencing God is that God is working. He's working all around you. And he's wanting you to move from where you are to where he is so you can experience him. That takes Faith, action, actual obedience for that movement to happen. God is not going to force you. He's not going to kick you. He's not going to do any of that stuff. He is going to invite you to listen, respond, obey. Are we a people who are willing to obey our God? First John chapter 2. Got your Bible open. Look at verse 3 with me. John, the author, this is one of the apostles of Jesus. He writes this. He says, we know that we have come to know him, Jesus, God. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. Like the proof of your relationship with God is the obedience that you walk in. If you don't obey him, there's this disconnect. He says, the man who says, I know him but does not do what he commands, is a liar. You're fake. There's just kind of this simplicity to this passage. The truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, listen, God's love is truly made complete in him. Think about this passage right here, this phrase. God's love is made complete in you. Think about what what this means. There's a God who loves you, who sent his son to die for you. When Jesus went to the cross, he, he went on behalf of every sinner who recognizes that they're a sinner, that they need salvation, and that there's a God who loves them and is willing to offer his perfection in exchange for all of our imperfection. This is a gift of God. That he would, say, he would say yes to God's will. He would die on our behalf. That he would go to the cross on, on our behalf, paying the penalty of our sin. This is the love of God. He would come up out of that grave declaring victory over sin and death so that you and I would no longer be controlled by our sinful nature. That those who put their faith in Jesus Christ are given a gift of the Spirit of God inside them and now empowered to walk free from sin. John here is saying, listen, 
if you obey his word, that love that God has demonstrated by sending his own son for you, that love is being made complete inside you. That love is being made whole in you. Wherever you've lacked security about who you are, wherever you've lacked security about what your life should be about, the purpose that you have, the significance you have, maybe where fear has dictated your heart. I love the passage that says that perfect love casts out all fear. He's saying, hey, that love is being perfected. It's being matured. It's being completed in the heart of the obedient disciple of Jesus. When you and I think about what are we doing here? It's this right here. That God would make his love complete in each of us. This is how we know we are in Christ. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Obedience. This this truth becomes an anchor for our hearts amidst the uncertainty, amidst the unknowns, amidst the like what is that going to look like? And how do I get there from here? And what do you mean by forgive that person that has betrayed me so many times? God, I would love to obey you in this, but that is dangerous. And I know what that leads to. And there's no way I could ever trust that person again. It may not be like, hey, go go leave this, this place and go move to that place. It might just be simply, hey, I want you to walk into work this week with an attitude of grace and humility. I want you to give up your demands and your rights about what you think you're entitled to, and I want you to go to work as a servant this week. It may not be these massive steps, but there are steps of obedience that the Spirit of God is speaking to us that He is expecting and calling us to obedience in. And I just think about how important this is for us to learn obedience in our relationship with God. We want to hear his voice. We want to be led by him. We want to be used by him. We want to be shaped by him. The steps sometimes are internal. Sometimes they're external. But God, we want to be an obedient people. I think about how cool this is because as you obey, there's this revelation or this completeness of God's love that he takes you from where you are to a more full picture of his love and and a more full understanding of how much he loves you and how he wants to use you to love others around you. Jesus said that they're going to know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. There's a maturity that starts to come out of this obedient heart. The more we obey, the more mature, and it's kind of this progressive thing of, of becoming who God made you to be. To resist is to stay where you were, to stay where you are, to not grow, to not become who God made you to be. Think about Moses. He could have missed out on so much, but he got to have the adventure of history. I mean, of of crazy adventure. It started with him in rebellion, running from God, hiding in the desert. And, And in that place of rebellion, God's love and God's grace came to him through a burning bush, a bush that's on fire that's not being consumed by these flames, speaking to Moses saying, hey, I want to use you to rescue my people out of Egypt. I want you to be the one that leads them and sets them free from the tyranny of Pharaoh and all that they're they're enslaved in. And so, so this moment becomes so powerful. Will you go? 
Moses, he makes excuses, he's terrified, but ultimately he goes. And from there, God just begins to progressively reveal himself in more and more amazing ways where, where Moses is being used by God to perform miracles in front of Pharaoh. He, he is being used by God to, to, to lead the people and, and to watch these plagues come through Egypt eventually out into the desert as they're set free. I mean, the culminating moment had to have been for Moses when he stretches his arms out and the entire ocean opens up. I mean, what an amazing moment, right? And for Moses to experience God in these powerful ways, it didn't start at the Red Sea, right? It started at the burning bush with a decision that he had no idea. How could I talk to Pharaoh? He is the ruler of the world. He will kill me for even wanting to come into his presence. That moment could have been something where Moses missed out on all the miracles that God wanted to do through him. Or think of this. Moses could have just kind of set up camp there at the burning bush. This is cool, right? Like, this is my church. This is my experience. This is the experience with God. Some of us have done this. We're living off of one experience with God. We heard him one time. We heard one thing, and that's kind of just where we've been. Think of all that Moses would have been missed out on, the progressive revelation of God's grace and his mercy and his power in his life. Obedience led to that miracle after miracle after miracle. But think about our lives. This is the same God that wants to speak to his people and lead us into these places of revelation and grace and love, that that his love would be made complete inside of each of us. Obedience really is this pathway to more relationship with God, more intimacy with Jesus. I love how John 14, 21 says, whoever, and this is Jesus speaking, whoever has my commands and keeps them, I love that. You don't just know them, but you actually do them, is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father. Listen to the reciprocal nature of this. And I too will love them and show myself to them. The more I obey, the more you obey, the more you come to know and understand and experience God's love, the more you understand Jesus' love, the more Jesus reveals himself to you. It's this progressive revelation of God's grace, his goodness, his mercy. He has plans. God has a will. He has salvation. He has revival. He has so much in mind for this city, for this slice of history. And he's wondering, is there a people that would come on board with what he wants to do, be obedient to his leading in our lives in very small, ordinary moments, and allow him to lead us to the miracles that he wants to do through our lives? There's so much that God has in mind. And I would hate to be a people that religiously do our own thing and miss the miracle that God is wanting to do through us. What looks good, it's religious. Feels right, but we're not obedient to what God is calling us to. And so I hope you're getting the point, right? Obedience is how we experience relationship with God. But, but I, I just want to break down obedience because I think it's important to understand what does this actually look like, Richie? Like, how do I be obedient? What does obeying God look like? If you got notes there, I'll, I'll start with this. Obedience always requires that we would take immediate steps. If you're jotting stuff down, you got to get this idea of immediacy. 
Immediacy is so important. I, I think when I think about my girls, I'm parenting teenagers and it's, and it's an adventure. It's awesome. It's fun. It's difficult. It's terrifying, but it's awesome. And, and I think about them in this conversation. And I think about like, they're old enough now that they can see through my dad moments, my dad jokes, my dad lameness. They see my failures. They see, they see lots of reasons to not obey me is the bottom line. Yet they still choose to. And when they do, there's just this sense in my heart of like, wow, these girls really love me. And when I think about them in this conversation, I think about us, there's a sense of, of us honoring, loving, serving our God, our Father, the one that loved us so much, sacrificed his son on our behalf, that there's this passion inside me to be somebody that, that, that obeys in this sense, like worshipful way, right? That it's like, oh God, I can't, I can't wait to, to have you speak so I can do whatever you want me to do. I'll change, I'll, I'll, I'll surrender, I'll, I'll let go of, I'll forgive, I'll release bitterness toward, I will do whatever you ask me to do, God. Like this immediate passion inside of us. Here's the challenge with immediacy, though, is that we are, we are so human and we have so many questions and we have so many preconceived ideas and expectations and, and uncertainties and, and, and what if this and what if that, that, that keep us from obeying. And here at the core of this immediacy is this principle that delayed obedience is the same as disobedience. My story from earlier, what I'm talking about is just knowing that, hey, God has spoken. I want you to go plant a church in Spokane. Yeah, yeah, let me, let me strategize about this, God. Let me think about this. Let me talk about this. Let me process this. But at the core, delayed obedience is disobedience. Just to kind of let that settle in our hearts, immediacy then just rises to me as this passion point to go, oh God, how do we be a people that don't let the questions keep us from obeying? How do we be a people that don't have to have all the answers before we obey? I think about Throughout history of, of Jesus' people, God's people, Abraham was another one that God called. He wanted to use him to establish his people, Israel. He's like, hey, Abram, I want you to go to this land that I'm going to show you. That's a lot of clarity, God, right? I want you to pick up your entire family, all of the, the thousands of animals that you have, all of this, and I want you to go to a land that I will show you. Just think of this. God wasn't like laying out the whole strategy for Abram. You know, you're going to go here and then you're going to go there. Then you'll have this provision over there. And then I'll do a miracle about that day. You know, when you run out of food and you're not, yeah, I'll do that. And then think about this. Like, like this is how God works in our lives. He doesn't give us the entire plan and, 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 and then we obey. He is so simple. I, I love Psalm 119. His word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. David writes, it's not a headlamp or a spotlight into our future. It is just enough light for one more step. And for you and I to just be content with that, that our God knows what he's doing, that he's good, that he's in control, that he loves you. He, he actually loves you. He doesn't want to lead you off a cliff down into a, a crazy place. He wants to lead you into his purpose 
for your life. He wants to lead you into his will. He has so much miraculous in mind and his ways and his thoughts are so much higher than ours that it takes a real humility and a real heart of submission to go, God, this is the step you've called me to take. I will take it. And I will take it without all my questions answered, without all my fears alleviated. I will take it, God, because you told me to take it. Immediate steps is the kind of people God wants us to be. This is what obedience looks like. Not steps with demands, not steps with expectations, not steps with our arms crossed like, God, you better, right? Like us just going humbly, God, what you say, I will do. When I think about this picture in scripture, one of them that just is something that's a passion point of ours around here is baptism. We just got to see Chance and Titus take that step today. What's so important about this step is it's really your first step in following Jesus because Jesus modeled baptism, commanded baptism. His, his apostles commanded it, practiced it. The church has always practiced this. And when you look at the book of Acts, there's just three passages I'll give you. Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 16. In Acts chapter 2, Peter's preaching the very first sermon that has ever existed in the church and he's, he's calling everybody to understand who Jesus is, that he is the son of God, and you killed him, he says. Great sermon, Peter, right? You, you just crucified him. And they're all cut to the heart, the Bible says. They are convicted of their sin. And they ask this question, brothers, what should we do? In Acts chapter 2, Peter says, it's simple. Repent, that means turn to God, and be baptized, every single one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is not just for you, but for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And he continued to warn them and plead with them that they would save themselves from this corrupt generation. (laughs) And then it says, the the summary statement that Luke, the author, puts in there is so good. He says, "And, and, and so those that believed in Jesus were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the church that day. Not when they got around to it, not when they felt like it, not when they could, you know, get the baptism tank a little warmer. It was cold, sorry, Chance. It was cold this morning. But, but, but like, because God said, we will do it. Acts chapter 8, Philip, in obedience to the leadership of the Spirit of God, runs up next to a chariot that has got an Ethiopian official in it who's riding back to Ethiopia to go see the queen. And he's reading from the prophet Isaiah and, and, and Philip's like, hey, what are you reading? He's like, I, how can I understand this unless somebody explains it to me? I love this because Philip's like, well, God told me to come here and I'm here and I know what you're reading. Maybe I'm to obey God and jump in the chariot with you. I can explain it. Get in. So they're riding along. And from that very passage in Isaiah about the suffering servant, Philip begins to proclaim the good news of, of, of Jesus to this Ethiopian. And I love this because he's on his way back to the queen. Like if God wanted to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, he kind of knows what he's doing. Let's get the, the official to the queen saved right now in this moment so that he could take the good news with him back to Ethiopia. You know, I was in Ethiopia years ago, and they're like, this is the road right here that the, that the, the Ethiopian guy came into town and told our queen about Jesus. They know that road because on that chariot, he's, here's the good news. And he's like, well, what's keeping me from being baptized? <laughs> the Ethiopian says, look, here's some water. And I mean, water in that part of the world is probably like a mud puddle. I, I don't, th- there's not much water. And, and, and they stop the chariot right there on the spot, get down, 
baptized the Ethiopian, and he goes on his way to Ethiopia. I think about Acts 16. There's a guy that's a jailer, walks, watches these guys miraculously get rescued out of jail by God, repents of all of his sin right there on the spot. We're in the middle of the night. And, and, and he washes their wounds, and then he and his entire household is baptized in the middle of the night because that is what God said to do. I just love the immediacy of this. And when we practice immediacy around here in baptism, it's us saying, hey, we want to set a pattern in your life. As a disciple of Jesus, we don't obey Jesus when we get around to it. We obey him immediately. We want to be those kind of people. That's why we're always baptizing people every week. We don't have baptism Sundays or, you know, every once in a while when we, it's like all the time. God, right now, okay, after 101, yes, whenever God is leading you. Our students on Tuesday nights, yes, we will baptize. Recovery on Thursdays, yes, we will baptize you. We want you to experience Jesus, right? We want you to obey his leading in your life. Immediacy is so important. We don't wait for all the questions to get answered. We don't wait for all the fears to get alleviated. God, if you're speaking, I'm going to obey. Just think about how powerful this is because the Spirit of God knows what you can handle, what you can't handle. I think about where I was as a leader when we first came to plant. Just where I am now after 11 years or whatever it's been of leading this. There's no way I could have dreamt of what God has done through us and all the churches we've gotten to plant and all the stuff that God has been able to do here. No way I could have planned that stuff. No way I could have even dreamt of those things. I just think even about sin and shame and guilt in our own hearts. You've got like, you've got, you and I, we've got like lists. We've got filing cabinets full of thoughts and actions and words and broken things and unforgiveness. Imagine if the Holy Spirit would take you into this warehouse of your sin. Flip on the light and be like, you got to deal with this. <laughs> we would fall over incapacitated with this just amazing dread of like, there is no way. It's a filing cabinet is just full of all these little moments where I've messed up, where I've said stuff I shouldn't, I've thought stuff, I've, 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 you know. But by his grace, this is how good the Holy Spirit is. He leaves the light off, but he grabs you by the hand. He has this little flashlight. It's like a little pin light, you know? And he pulls you into this giant warehouse. And you're like, I don't know what I, where we're going, what, 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 what's happening. He opens one filing drawer, takes one little note card out. And he's like, hey, you know how you've struggled to forgive your parents. I want to talk to you about that. I know that they messed up. I know these things have been hard. I know that there's ruts and patterns in your life because of how you've grown up. But, but, but still. I need you to be free from this if you're going to become who I called you to be. Okay, yes, Lord. Lord, will you help me to forgive him? Yeah, I'll help you. Will you show me what that? Yeah, yeah. By his grace. Then over the next few days, over the next few weeks, over the next few months, our obedience brings healing. Our obedience brings transformation, brings freedom. I'm no longer bound by that bitterness. I'm no longer controlled by that sin. Then he grabs you by the hand again. It's like, oh, let's go over here. You know all that lust that you've been just dominating your mind and your heart? I want to set you free. Because you got to be willing. You got to be like ready to do whatever you got to do. Okay, Lord. 
just gently, day by day, step by step, moment by moment, he's changing us. He's transforming us. He's making us somebody that can actually match the miracle that he has in mind for our lives. That's the second thing. One is take immediate steps. The second is this. Take patient steps. <laughs> what do I mean by patient? Not in a hurry. Not, not demanding. Not entitled for it to go quickly or to go your way. But take patient steps. Understanding that you are in a process of transformation. You're not there yet. Neither am I. God wants to get us there, wherever there is, to the land he's going to show us. But we're on our way. And the way that we get ready for the miracle that he has, wherever that is, is by staying in the process of development. Not jumping out of it because it's uncomfortable. Not resisting the forgiveness because I want to hold on to bitterness to those people that hurt me but patiently enduring the steps that he's calling us to take. Patiently staying with him in this process of development. Not allowing our hearts to get sidelined or sidetracked because it's not going fast enough, because the healing's not happening the way we want it to, because the outcomes aren't going the way we think they should, but staying patient, staying in the process of transformation. One of the biggest things that we struggle with this in, in this conversation right here, I know for me, is, is, is this bit of shame. Well, I should be further along than I am. That's a lie from the enemy. To discourage you. I was just saying this to a friend of mine this weekend. It's like, oh, I just can't believe I'm already this old and I, oh, I'm still struggling with this stuff and I still have these questions. I'm like, hey, you're right where you should be. None of us None of us gets to dictate the trajectory. We got this stupid comparison thing that we do where we wish our life was like their life and we wish we were where they are and we're not. You are where you are and God's grace is good for where you are and staying in the process is a process of transformation and comparison will rob the patience of the transforming work of God in your life. So stay in that groove of humility and submission to his transforming work, these kind of patient steps lead to transformation, lead to healing, lead to freedom, lead to you becoming who God made you to be. So here's my hope, that this conversation for us would be an inspiration today to go, yeah, I need to obey when God speaks, that I will be an immediate, obedient person. I will be a patient in these steps of obedience, but God, I am going to be an obedient person. I'm going to be a disciple that grows in completion of this love that you have inside me. Jesus, when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving your neighbor as much as you love yourself. They're gonna know, the world's going to know that you're a disciple of Jesus by your love for one another. God is wanting to make this love complete inside you. Obedience is the pathway to that completion, to that maturity, to that intimacy with God. The people that obey are the people that experience God. Man, I know that's what we want. 
That's who we're called to be. So here's what I want to do. I just want to give you a moment to hear from God today. God wants to speak. Maybe he's already been speaking. And you just need to write down what he's saying because you don't want to just get in the car and forget about this moment. Maybe you need to send a text. Maybe you need to jot a note on your phone or on that connect card. Just give you a moment right now between you and the Lord. Just allow him to speak. Maybe you need to write something down. Maybe you just need to express a willingness. Yes, Lord. I hear you and I will obey. Would you stand to your feet with me today? I'd love to pray for you, your life before we head out. Jesus, you know every person in this room. You know every step that you're speaking. You're so good, God. You know every plan that you have, every purpose. We just ask, God, that you would give us the grace to hear, the strength to obey, the courage to follow, the submission and the the humility to say yes, to stay patient, God. That you would make us a transformed people, a healed people, a whole people, a people who who love are loved and love really, really, really well, God. Let's pray, Jesus, that your church would come alive with obedience, Lord. That the city would be changed because of your miraculous work through these people, God. We're trusting you to make us your church, to make us your people. We just say yes today, Lord. It's that simple. Yes, Lord. We worship you. We honor you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Wow, what a powerful message. And what a way to close our Experiencing God series. Over the last seven weeks, our spiritual eyes have been opened to see God at work around us. And I love that we are so passionate about God's work. He is faithful to reveal himself. We love you, real life. Have an awesome day, and we'll see you around.